Wait. Yo, 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 yo. Back again, bitches. Luna Coven, the podcast. We here. Uh, I'm joined today by another good friend, Flor Tejada. Hello. Next Round Productions. She's a film producer. Uh, what else would you call yourself? Um, I actually would not call myself a film producer because okay. I haven't produced wrong, any shit. films... I think the last film I produced was in 2012 or 2013. No, 2012. Yeah. I uh, was a co-producer on a short film that premiered at the LA Comedy Film Festival, which was really cool. But I am, I do consider myself a producer of new media, commercials, um, but I'm also currently writing and developing a web series. So mostly all my video work lives on the internet. So I do a lot of commercial work. I've started doing a lot of stop motion animation recently um, for a social media platform. So that's what new media means, like new media, which I wasn't sure about recently because that's kind of like a a word people throw around and you don't really yeah. know what it means. But like a podcast, for example, is considered new media. So so they actually coined a term for all the, the it, new things going on internet-wise? Yeah, it's mostly like, you know, just how you can have like mixed media art so that you can make like an installation that uses a television screen and it has like an audio component and like... A, yeah. So new media for... Uh, film and television is just that you have different types of um, entertainment online or using your phone smartphone so I consider myself still a producer but not in film yet I I would like to but film's a big monster (laughs) yeah but like you said with the whole new media thing don't you feel like as far as film it's not going to be as important in like the next 10 years as internet material because I was thinking about this the other day, too. As far as, like, celebrities, of course, being a celebrity is still, like, a super coveted thing, like being a TV or movie celebrity. I feel like sooner or later, the stars on the internet are going to matter more than the actual celebrities, like movie stars and shit. Because you got the, the Grammys and everything. It's all cool. But before the internet was really what it is right now, people would tune into the Grammys like, okay, this is something to watch. Oh, these are my favorites, uh, movie stars or whatever. But now, since we have the internet, you watch the Grammys, like, yo, this shit is fucking boring. Nobody's watching the Grammys. Everybody's understanding more of, like, how things are set up on TV. And I feel like the generation that's coming up now, even our generation, is going to be like, yeah, going to the movies and stuff is cool. Films are cool. But this 30-second video on Instagram just made me shit myself laughing. So I'm going to tune into Snapchat more than I'm going to watch a movie. Even a big trend that I noticed too, even people in our generation, you talk about movies and stuff with them. A lot of people just say, I don't really watch that many movies. It's crazy. Opposed to where before movies were everything. Yeah. With stores like Blockbuster and all that dumb shit. Well, I think with the internet and social media is that people are so engaged versus a movie that you go to once and it's entertaining. Like... You can be entertained all day on Instagram or Snapchat or Facebook or YouTube, Vimeo. And yeah, I think that's valid. I mean, there's so many people right now that are making 
<clears throat> tons of money and are super famous just for their online channels and outlets. So it's pretty amazing. And I think that's what's awesome about the internet is that you don't need these huge platforms anymore to make money. And I think everyone has can have a piece of the pie. You know, like if you're a small business, how can you you know, increase your visibility and your reach. And I do, I think that's a big part of my job um, when I work with companies and I work with bigger corporations, but I also work with small business owners. And it's really like, how do you use internet video to your advantage? How do you use it so that you're making branded content that represents you and your message? And because video is just really effective. I believe that. Yeah. And I think the internet you know, short form video, especially like you said, 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes at most, like people's attention spans are, it's hard to keep people engaged for two hours. And yeah. I think that is what's so difficult about film and why people aren't necessarily gravitating towards it anymore. It's so weird how humans work, I feel like though, because how you just said it's so hard to keep people's attentions, attention for two hours or more in the form of like a movie or even music per se, people don't li really listen to long ass mm -hmm. songs anymore, but it's crazy because people will sit down and listen to a podcast that's three hours with just two humans speaking to each other. I feel like conversation is probably one of the most intriguing things that you could sit down and listen to aside from having a really good speaker at like a seminar or something like that. It's different. I mean, if you're, doing it solo and you're just talking to a crowd or you're doing a podcast and you're by yourself, I feel like it'll be, you have to have a certain set of skills to keep everybody engaged. But when it's two people having a conversation, you can talk about fucking whatever and people will listen just because it's two different opinions. Mm -hmm. It's the weirdest thing, but music and TV and shit, you can't sit down for too long and watch a movie that's fucking nine hours long. <laughs> or listen to a song that's six minutes halfway through the song you invite like, mm -hmm. this song is good but i just need to hear something else i'm over it yeah it's the weirdest thing song but, add but maybe it's actually a form of evolution in a crazy kind of way maybe having a short attention span somehow will give us some kind of advantage in the future maybe we don't see it yet maybe it's good for the way the technology is going right now, I don't, I don't fucking know, but it's happening. And I don't, I don't necessarily see it as a problem. I don't think it's really a problem. I think that, I don't think that people have naturally become like dumb or because we don't have these long attention spans. I just think that we have so much options and variety and people are actually really hungry for knowledge. And that's why the internet is a great thing because now you can teach yourself a million things and you can learn yeah, a million it's the things fucking matrix and you don't need to you know before you we had Talk to closer go, to the mic we used to sorry that's cool we used to have to go to the library to figure yeah nobody got time to go to the library right now <laughs> that's crazy. an ancient fucking practice i'm not going to the library to pick up no books where i could just look up a video on youtube and learn how to fucking swim it's true. In a pool of jello, if I wanted to. I'm pretty sure somebody has some obscure videos teaching you whatever you need to learn. It's the craziest shit. Even down from like crazy skills from like, uh, right now we're recording on Pro Tools. I've been using Pro Tools for 
almost like 10 years of my life, I had no formal training whatsoever. I learned all of this shit off YouTube and I know my way around Pro Tools. Even like going to the studio and recording other people, you could tell that I actually learned something the way that people react to the way that I use the program. And it's crazy because I taught myself that shit online. 10 years ago, you wouldn't be able to do that shit whatsoever. Yeah, not at You'll all. You'll be stuck. If somebody, well, 10 years ago, they probably weren't using Pro Tools like this. Well, no. 10 years ago, 2006. Damn. That wasn't that long ago. Yeah, but. Maybe 20 years. No. 1996. I, nobody no, was using Pro Tools. Nobody was. But even in 2006, people weren't using it the way yeah. people are using it now. Because I started making, I started filmmaking when I, in 2006, actually. So, yeah, like everything still, Pro Tools was just prehistoric still yeah <laughs> and final cut was totally prehistoric but now you you can learn this shit on youtube like you said it's crazy yeah it is crazy but it's also good because think about it before you had you know ev- the whole push was like you got to go to college you have to you know get an education and then you get a job and blah 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 but now with the way the education system runs and you get out of school and you have thousands of dollars in debt but there's plenty of people that are actually becoming entrepreneurs or are starting you know businesses or jobs or trades or professions based on learning from the internet yeah that's amazing yeah because we have all the information ready at our fingertips maybe before the whole idea of uh school was the only way I guess that really did make sense back then before the internet because it's like, where else would you get your information besides like how you said the library or some mm-hmm. ancient form of studies. Now we have the internet. We don't really necessarily have to go to school to, to learn. And that's the, I feel like that's the greatest thing about humankind right now is not just that we have all this information ready. It's so many people taking the initiative to be like, you know what? Maybe I didn't go to school to do this, or maybe I I don't really have the education that I want to pursue my my ideas. But now you can just go on the internet and take the initiative. If you want to learn something, you do that shit. You learn it within like not five minutes. You learn it within a reasonable time, and you mm-hmm. can execute whenever you want. It's not like where school you have to take twenty classes before you can take the the class that you really want and then you only get an introduction to that class and you have to stay in that that field for like the next three years learning it and you might just have ideas in your head already that you want to execute but you're not allowed. That's the cra- that's the, the one pet peeve I have about school. I'm not telling people not to go to school. I'm just not for the way the school system are set up. It's the whole idea of not allowing people to do things because you feel they're not ready. Yeah. This is the craziest thing because you never really know what somebody can produce, even if, because every human being is different. Some people can have a lot of information and execute poorly. Some people can have uh, just a slight understanding of something and make the greatest shit you've ever seen. It's just about who that person is. And I feel like school restricts a lot of people from not reaching their full potential, but at least experimenting and finding out what they can do without somebody being like, okay, now you're ready to do this. Or now uh, you passed all these written exams. Now you're qualified. That's the only problem I have with school. Yeah. But 
I don't really want to talk about school too much. I wanted to ask you what projects and stuff are you working on right now and and your whole quest on uh, I'm gonna keep saying filmmaking because okay. I just like no, the term. that's fine. Yeah, filmmaking is fine because I that's what I do. What's, you know? Yeah. What's the, it's the same tools? The the greatest, not greatest thing in it, but what's the most fun thing for you in filmmaking? And what projects are you working on? Um. Well, right now I'm working on. Well, yeah. This weekend I'm going to Boston. We're shooting a video for Chicken of the Sea Frozen Foods. Yes, the tuna fish company. <laughs> they do a bunch of seafood, actually. I didn't really know that until they became my client. Um, but we're shooting a video for them. They're celebrating their 10-year anniversary. So it's like a very, it's like a documentary-style video about the founders. The CEO is going to narrate it. And we're actually interviewing some of their employees because Chicken of the Sea has an incredible company culture towards their employees. So for this... 10-year anniversary video we're going to be surprising a bunch of employees and they're rolling out new programs where employees kids get scholarships to school and they get like they get a bunch of stuff now and it's some like that's awesome keep your people happy yeah um also next week we're shooting some videos for soul cycle they're uh they're based actually no their their headquarters is here in new york but they're all over the country um they're awesome check them out if you want to if you like cycling and fitness soul cycle is pretty cool um and that's what i'm doing in the next two weeks it's pretty crazy and i'm like i said i'm developing a web series uh with my business partner amanda and we're writing developing hopefully going into production in september let's say august september of this year so we're figuring that out we'll be officially going into pre-production in may so there's a lot of steps but my favorite thing about filmmaking it's just being creative you know i feel like you're given even when you're given like a project let's say for chicken of the sea right you're you know big corporation i don't have a specific connection to this company or to tuna fish i think when i tell people that they're usually like oh like jessica simpson when she was talking about is it chicken or is it fish that's usually <laughs> what people remember um and as a producer just bringing in all of these things that you're like okay the client wants this but how do you bring your vision to that how do you tell the story of these people so you know we pre-interview the people that we're going to interview and we write out a script based on you know their actual life stories which is a lot like you know what documentary filmmakers have to do so it's just like you're constantly having to think creatively and you're constantly having to think about the story and there's all these moving pieces like you have to hire people you have to get insurance you have to find locations you need to manage the budgets and you have to figure out what camera you're going to shoot on, what sound are you, you know, how yeah, sound is going to post-production, you know, editing, that's a whole nother thing. So there's so many moving pieces. And I think as like a producer or director, for me, it's just a lot of fun to 
really see the whole thing come together from beginning to end and just always keeping the story at the forefront. Like the story is the most important part. You yeah. know, all these other things are important. The way it looks, you know, the way the color of the background and the length and all these things and the music you use and the editing, but just really figuring out what's the best way to tell a story is yeah because if fun. the story's shit then nobody's gonna watch the movie even if it looks gorgeous yeah if you can't follow it it's just like i'm wasting my time here and you really have to think about your audience because i'm like okay these the people that are going to be watching this do have an emotional connection to chicken of the sea so how do i convey that in a very limited amount of time so yeah it's a lot of fun i love it no nah, it seems like a lot of fun uh you're talking about uh, documentaries. Heard you mention documentaries. Mm -hmm. What do you? What would you think is more exciting? Actually, filming something that's like fiction that you just created, like a short film or something, even if it's a a regular film, or shooting documentaries? Because I know it might be fun to shoot some something that you just made up. It might be cool to get your your visions into actual reality. But I feel like something about documentaries, like learning about what whatever it is you're interested in from people who are, who are knowledgeable on the topics, I feel like that's got to be a different, a whole different experience altogether. Mm. It's kind of like you're putting together your own video book with different people citing whatever the topic is. Like if you want to, you're writing a book on fucking, let's say, farms. And you're going around to all these different farmers, getting their their ideas and their ideologies down in video, and you're putting it together in a book. I feel like that's more of a a knowledge piece, something that people can learn from, opposed from a movie. But I I'd imagine they're both fun as fuck to do. Mm -hmm. But they are. What's your perspective on it? I mean, I find I find both to be really challenging in two different ways, and with documentary filmmaking you do you still have your creative voice like you're still you know there's no such thing as an unbiased perspective in a film at all the director even when they try to present two sides of the story like that's very much a perspective yeah and i actually am finishing up a web series that i did for the rogerson institute and uh the partnership for a healthier new york city which is a division of New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. And um, they it's about health disparity. And when we signed on to do this project a year and a half ago, they're like, oh, yeah, we're doing this five. It ended up being six parts, but initially it was supposed to be a five-part series um, about health disparity in New York. And that's kind of something that, Health disparity affects everyone. You know, yeah. that's just that's just part of the environment that we live in, especially us living in the Bronx. We see that firsthand that, you know, why is it that there's places in the Bronx that all you have available to eat is Kennedy fried chicken and Dunkin Donuts and the Chinese food store. And then you can, you know, Manhattan, there's places that have Whole Foods and yeah, all these sure. things like there's just lack of resources and that has there's so many reasons for that. So I had to like engulf myself in this topic to be able to tell the story. And when I went in for the interviews, we interviewed probably about 15 or so people. Um, it was just really, it was a really cool experience because 
again, like I said, they're telling the story, but I'm writing the script. Yeah. Because I'm choosing what's the most important thing that I think needs to be said. And obviously, this isn't just me. Like, you get feedback from everyone involved. Yeah, of course. The whole That's team. the way filmmaking works. But I just found it such an interesting way of... It's almost more you almost feel more accomplished in a way because you know you're not you're not writing the script for months beforehand you're getting all the information and then you have to piece it together and then once it comes together and you're like oh wow this makes a lot of sense that was your doing <laughs> yeah so i think it's i i really enjoy it no that's cool for sure documentaries i feel like they're super important even if i'm like if i'm because you know me, sometimes I get into something and then I get obsessed over it and I try to find out every little bit of it that I can. Mm -hmm. I find that documentaries really help me when I find a new interest. If I watch a documentary, it's a lot easier to get multiple perspectives on whatever the topic is. And then I could come to my own conclusion. Because of course, as a human being, you're influenced by other humans. Mm -hmm. So instead of like, how I was saying school, the way that it's set up, I, I don't really agree with it because you're only getting that perspective from one human at a time. Like it's a classroom of like, let's say 30 kids getting a perspective or curriculum from just one human being. And whatever that human says is law. If you don't do what they say, you're not passing opposed to if you uh, look for knowledge yourself, you can get a plethora of perspectives and it comes to your own conclusion i feel like that's one of the best ways to learn but then on the flip side how is saying that not only is documentaries uh well no not not documentaries are the only thing the other side is the making things up yourself not sci-fi movies but just coming up with your own scripts and your own ideas and getting that onto to, to the screen. I feel like that has to be something that gives you a completely different feeling than mm -hmm. documentaries. How you said you feel accomplished when it, if you finish a documentary and put it together properly with you're getting you're cutting away all the fat, the stuff that you don't like and you're putting together all the good stuff. I would feel like it's a completely different feeling of satisfaction when you just had an idea or a picture in your head and now you're watching it on the screen. Yeah, that's something from uh, doing music videos and stuff when I was younger. That's something that is really satisfying as a creative. How yeah. do you feel about finishing a job and whatever ideas you had in your head come on the screen how you want it? What is that feeling like to you? It feels really great. <laughs> <laughs> no, it does. I remember the first music video I ever shot in Ireland back in 2009. In Dublin, Ireland. <laughs> and I remember when I first heard the song, I automatically had a bunch of visuals in my head and I wrote it out in a treatment and my professor thought it was awesome. So I was like, okay, I'll do this. I pitched it to the band, they liked it. So it's like from your head, then through all the steps that you have to get and we shot, I actually ended up shooting last in my semester. This is back when I was in film school. And the whole shoot was kind of a mess. 
it was there was just like a again film is like a billion moving parts yeah what ha- what will go wrong does go wrong um and then when i was editing it i just remember feeling like wow i can't believe i thought about this and obviously you know i was inspired by the music i was i had a really good crew that helped me i had a lot of amazing extras and everybody like the band was good in the performance but when i finally got to watch the final video i felt really it feels really really like wow it touched your soul right? it does it does touch your soul because even though to somebody else like it's just a music video but it's like if you think about all the things that we watch even the things that we have like you know we're speaking into this microphone we're recording into pro tools like that was someone's idea like that just yeah, started as someone's sure. idea and even though I'm not like make en- you know an engineer creating like cures to cancer or something, I like <laughs> when I watch my my videos or I watch something that I made that was just completely based on an idea. It's like wow, it's crazy that you can visualize something and then make it happen. So For real, it's really it's really cool. <laughs> you haven't ever had any like super crazy ideas where it's just like yo. I really want to do this, but I think I'm I'm fucking reaching too far. Yes. Because sometimes that, well, not sometimes, all the time, whenever I have any ideas for visuals for anything, like, I feel like I just reach way too far. But is that necessarily a bad thing, do you feel like? No, and I mean, I that's, I am definitely an idea person. I'm known as that person that always has like a million ideas, and a lot of them are maybe a little too big. But at the same time, what does that mean? You know, like I I think about all the things that I think, you know, I have some ideas for television shows that I know I can't execute them right now, but there's no reason that they can't be. And yeah. I think that's the thing that's, you know, people get an idea and they're like, they start thinking about all the obstacles versus thinking of like, well, what's the next possible step I can take yes, to make this happen? Yes, so it- and for me, like the TV pilot is to just start writing little by little. And that's just the first step. And I never thought like, I don't think I thought five years ago that I would be in the position I am right now, having the, co- you know, co-founding Next Round Productions. Um, but I knew once long ago that I wanted to start a production company. So if I would have just thought about all the obstacles, which there were many and there still are, I might have not ever done it, but I'm yeah. glad I did. Well, I guess as a filmmaker, thinking small would kind of be counterintuitive. Oh, for sure. Because if, if people thought small, we wouldn't have shit like Star Wars. Exactly. I, I remember reading all those stories where <laughs> fucking George Lucas was pitching his, his idea for Star Wars to everybody. And they would look at him like, yo, what are you talking about? Space, different aliens and shit like that. Nobody wanted to actually get his film done because they thought it was too outlandish turns out to be the biggest movie of all time and that's what's great about filmmaking and music and writing you know that you kind of can have any idea and make it happen and there's going to be people that gravitate towards it because especially in the medium of film and television like that's what pushes storytelling to its limit you know where you're like oh what if we made a show about people that lived in space star trek happened you know and now like that pushed 
that genre to be like one of the most sought out genres in the world. People love sci-fi. People love space travel. No, for sure. And think about also like the people that were writing sci-fi in the 40s and 50s. And there were, I was actually just watching a documentary recently about space, like the, the space elevators. And yeah. there's people that came, that had the first time someone wrote about that was in a novel, in a science fiction novel. And then there's scientists that were like, oh, well, why can't we try to build an elevator to space? And now there's people, hundreds of people making that an initiative. And I didn't know anything about what would be the benefits of having an elevator to space, but apparently there are many. And I'm like, that all happened because somebody had this crazy idea, what, what, what someone would consider a crazy idea that's too big, that's impossible. And it's like, no. It was, it's actually not impossible and people are trying to make it happen. And it's crazy too. Now that you mentioned all of that, it makes me think that science fiction is so necessary for actual science because sure. there's been so many ideas generated from people having ideas for a movie, for something that's completely fake. And scientists will, not scientists, well, people, whoever is interested in those movies, they'll watch the movies and be like, yo, why can't that be real? Mm-hmm. And then try to imitate or make a technology based off something they seen in the movie and it actually works. So I guess science science fiction would be actually good. Well, is actually good for our community as far as technology goes. Even like I was watching was me and Emmy were watching the movie Ex Machina like Oh, I heard that it? was good. Yeah, the the night before last night, I think. And it shows you it gives you a, a fresh perspective on robots and artificial intelligence. Like, the, I don't want to spoil a movie because you you haven't seen it, right? I know what it's about, but yeah. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it, but it's seriously, like, you think the movie's gone one way. It's, you're watching it and you see the, the whole paradigm of artificial intelligence in movies and you think the movie's going to go one way, but the director or whoever wrote the script was so creative that at the end of the movie, it throws you for a loop and you're like, wow, I didn't fucking expect I didn't even, in my brain, I didn't even have the capacity to think that artificial intelligence can do what happened in the movie. Mm -hmm. Like, I really wish I could tell you, but I don't want to spoil it. But like I was saying, sci-fi movies, they give people fresh perspectives on moving technology forward. It really does. I feel like that's super necessary. I mean, when you think about Back to the Future, and now, you know, years later, people are like, oh, we're still waiting for this. We're still waiting for this. It's because people are actually... Are like, yeah, let's do that. You know, let's... I think it's fascinating. Well, it's crazy because even Back to the Future, they literally, they re, they made a hoverboard. Lexus, the car company, they mm-hmm. made a hoverboard that actually works off like liquid nitrogen or some crazy shit like that. And even the, the Nike mags, they made those too that... uh, What's what's this guy's name? What's son's name? That played uh Marty... Yeah, I know. I'm just thinking of him as Marty. And I... Yeah, well, Marty McFly. We got his sneakers now. After Michael J. Fox? Michael J. Yeah. Fox. There you go. The little guy. <laughs> <laughs> the, little, the little guy. No, nah, that's my guy, though. Yeah, but he's great. <laughs> just inspiration of movies, that's what drives America. It, it like really separates us from other countries, I feel like, is media, cinema, and everything like that. We're the Even masters. Music. Yeah, we are the masters of media because even i was listening i forgot what podcast i was listening to i think it was star talk 
uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, he was interviewing somebody from Europe and he was asking him, like, yo, what superheroes do you have in Europe? And it made me think, are we the only country with superheroes? I think we're the only ones. Yeah, you just stumped my brain. I have no idea. I don't know any European at all. Like all other countries or have any other country. It's like folklore and stuff. Beowulf. Like, yeah, <laughs> they have stuff that's equivalent to like Paul Bunyan. Exactly. Shit. They don't have actual they don't you know have a Batman or a Spider Man. You know it's funny you're talking about this because in film, you know, most Hollywood makes most of its money overseas isn't that interesting that, i find that really I could, interesting i could see that because like other all people, of our stories are like people in america don't go to the movies yeah because we see the culture firsthand whatever's happening nowadays especially whatever's happening in a movie could likely happen in real life because movies are kind of a lot more realistic now unless it's like a crazy action movie like transformers or something but i feel like cinema they've gone in a direction in the last decade that's more realistic mm -hmm. and i feel like maybe other countries buy into it because they want to see the american culture so bad and that's their only way of seeing it well besides the internet i know not every country on the planet has access to the internet how we have access to isn't like the one of the biggest sources of income for film is china oh yeah china like yeah china I mean, yeah, that's pretty much get, who we're selling to is yeah, China. They don't have access to the internet, really, right? They don't have access to a lot of, like, they don't have Facebook. Yeah, so if they see a movie, they're like, oh, this is the shit. I'm going to go to the movies and watch this. Us over here in America, I'm like, oh, no, nah, I'll wait till it's on iTunes. Exactly. Uh, I don't want to go to the movies to see the shit. Yeah, Netflix, Hulu, we have all the good shit yeah. opposed to other countries, but... I was really happy. This is fucked up. Um, do you know the movie that just came out gods of egypt yeah 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 yeah. apparently well not apparently it is doing terribly it's yeah. flopped the movie has just it's made 20 million dollars in the time that it's been out and i think it costs like 300 million to make so is that's that's the new one right because yeah. there was another one but um <clears throat> christian bill no that was yeah that was a moses or yeah something. the moses movie we i watched that too it's on uh what was it on? It's on HBO Go? I think so, yeah. But I watched that shit too. Well, I watched the, that movie and it's... They they depict Egypt is not as bad as I thought with the white people and stuff like that. But it's still like... It's, it's the dumbest shit ever. Well, if, Gods of Egypt looks like a terrible movie. Yeah, it's like... If you're going to do a movie about any kind of culture, you have to get the actual characters right. You have, you're not going to fucking... Like how they casted a bunch of British people to play Egyptians. <laughs> yeah, it makes no fucking sense. That's like making a a movie about the Zulu nation and you hire a bunch of fucking Japanese people. It's going to be like, yo, what the fuck is going on? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, that's why I was like... First of all, I think the trailer looks terrible for Gods of Egypt. And yeah. I think that's mainly the reason why it did so poorly. But I'm like serves them right i hope that <laughs> next time they make a fucking movie about egyptians they like get real egyptians or like black people instead yeah. of a bunch of british people and then making them tan <laughs> and it's crazy i said uh japanese people that was the worst example because in hollywood there's like two asians exactly <laughs> i don't even know 
if there's I don't one, know, right? I think there's like maybe five Asian people that Jackie I can Chan name. Jackie Chan too old. Jackie Jet Chan's Lee's too old. old. Lucy Liu is in like one TV show. Yeah. The guy what? from what are those movies where they're in Vegas? Um, The Hangover. The Hangover. Yeah, the hangover. that one Asian guy. That one Asian actor. But there's no, really, there's no really lead funny. roles though. Asian lead roles? No, no. That's kind of sad. Yeah. There hasn't... The last guy was Jet Li. Jet Li, Jackie Chan. Jackie they Chan, were, yeah. yeah. And Bruce, of course, Bruce. And Bruce is the fucking man. Although you do, you know... I, I'm pretty sure you would consider people from India Asian. So... Well, true. At least, like, Mindy Kaling, she has her own show. Aziz Ansari has his own show on Netflix. But they're still, you know, they're Yo, still very much a minority. That show, The Master of Nothing? So good. For Aziz? Yeah, you know the craziest shit? I didn't see the series I, I saw on Netflix, and I was like, huh, I wonder what happened if I watched the series backwards. And I literally watched the series from the last episode to the first episode, and it changed the whole experience for the, the series. I mean, when I got all the way up to the first episode, it's not like it had a, a great ending, because that was actually the mm-hmm. opening. But the way you see the ending of the story first, and now as you're watching backwards the episodes, it's kind of cool how you're seeing things connect. It's like you see something happen at the the end of the series, and you're wondering, at the end of the episode, you're wondering like, yo, how the fuck did, did he end up in this predicament? Mm-hmm. And as you're going back episodes, you're like, oh, shit, that's why this girl left him oh yeah. now i understand so it gave me a, a whole different experience in the movie i've never done that i should try that yeah i'm definitely gonna do it with more series the only thing is when you get to the first episode it's not that climactic it's like okay yeah by the, the second to last or third to last episode you know the whole story already the first three episodes they kind of it's like no point yeah because that's like establishing up. characters mm-hmm. you don't need to establish a character after you've seen the whole fucking series already. But you know what's great? I I've haven't ever watched a series from back to front, but with Game of Thrones, I've gone back to episode... I've actually gone back to... I watched the whole first season again, but when I first watched the first episode again, if you, lo- if you watch Game of Thrones, watch the first episode again, and there are so many connections. Yeah. There's so much like foreshadowing that you think to yourself these people are genius like these writers are genius because no, that they can look great. ahead five years from now and obviously they have a book that kind of connects the dots for them but to establish that in one episode in a one hour episode it's incredible yeah they just game go of watch writers are geniuses. game of thrones again yeah. just go watch it again <laughs> i definitely will you seen the the previews for it i haven't i haven't because i I try to stay away from them Shit. up until right before. I mean, I've seen the posters, but I haven't watched any of the trailers. The trailer is not, it doesn't give away that much, but at the same time, I feel like it gives away everything. But then again, it makes, the shit with Game of Thrones is any little thing makes everybody come to like 99 conclusions. It's mm-hmm. like you figure it out. It's like, oh yeah, I know exactly what's going to happen in the next episode. Then it, it actually comes on and you're like, oh shit. Yeah. I didn't see that coming at all. Exactly. Game but, of Thrones, you learn early on that it's yeah, really unpredictable. unexpected. But I really want to show you this new trailer. All right. I'm down. I mean, I've seen the teaser, and 
I think that's the maybe that's the one I'm talking about. Is it with the hall of uh, like heads and stuff? No. Okay. Yeah. I saw a teaser that came out months ago, and it was like the worst, best teaser ever because it was like, oh, basically we're just showing you nothing, but you're still excited because you're obsessed. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like even this one, it shows you nothing. The Hall of Faces, there you go. No, I have not seen this. The video is playing. You're going to hear the sound, but it's not going to pick up in the podcast. So, so good. I mean, I feel like this news, the new season, of course, is going to be epic. All the seasons were fucking The finale epic. of season five was like, yeah. <gasps> Sorry. <laughs> oh my god. It's crazy. I just saw Ned Stark, everyone, and I'm freaking out. See, that's the shit. Rob. With this this teaser. You see how you see all these old people, right? These dead people? Yeah. This is crazy. You know what's my theory? What's um uh, the little star girl. Fuck, I forgot her name. Arya. Arya. I feel like she's going to be able to turn into all these people. Because didn't she just go blind and she's yeah. training to be uh, one of these guys? She's becoming a faceless. Yeah. Why is uh, this guy there, though? That's um Tyrion. He's not dead. No, he's not dead. But look, you saw Daenerys on the right. I just think, yeah, the now that she has his power, she could pretty much become anyone which is i don't i I mean i don't want to bore anyone who doesn't watch game of thrones but real quick think about the starks all the star kids right now brandon brandon has you know he's out there somewhere we didn't see him at all season five but he's coming back season six yeah i forgot and he has magical powers now his sister Arya also has this crazy ability to become anyone she wants yeah yeah it's so crazy when you talk to people about game of thrones who haven't seen it because you say the word magic yeah and they're like oh i don't know if i'm gonna watch this bro you say dragons and shit but when you're watching it it's like oh shit dragons oh shit he has powers what the fuck because exactly. it feels so real it feels, it's so, so when good. you watch it and you see somebody has some kind of magic powers or they're doing something crazy it's like extra exciting it's like yo i thought this shit was so fucking real it's because there's so many killings and like sex and rape and shit in the in the series when you see something mystical it's like oh shit i thought this was real this is some fake shit but it has real aspects i feel like it's the best blend of realism for the time period that they're supposed to be in mm-hmm. and actual fantasy yeah because it's not too much fantasy but it's all the way real it's kind of like i think a good example to compare it to is um the batman series that christopher nolan directed because he was the first director to like take comic book movies and build the world in complete reality so that you would believe that the Joker was somewhere in Chicago. Yeah. And now all of the superhero movies are doing that. Like all the X-Men's, all the Avengers, like they're trying to do the same thing. And it's because, yeah, like you're, they're building a world where it's like based in reality, but there happens to be like this fantasy yeah. element, which I think yeah, is like, great. I heard Deadpool was fucking awesome. I didn't get to see it. I heard. I need yeah, to watch that. They would, that movie was the movie that whooped 
gods of Egypt's ass. Yeah, of course. I mean, you'd expect Deadpool to be number one almost over everything. What movies are even out right now? Uh, you have Deadpool, the gods of Egypt. Um, mm, I don't really fucking. I don't know. really know. It's there's always like that dead period after the Oscars that. Yeah. Which probably means that everything coming out right now is trash. Pretty much. No, it, it's yeah. true. Because then it's nothing good really comes out until the summer. It's like yeah. from now until May. It's I don't know what the fuck's coming out. But like, let me see. I'm actually going to check because I'm curious. Yeah, just to take a slight break from the film talk. Did you see that new thing? They're decriminalizing drinking in public in Manhattan. Really? Yeah. You're kidding me. I thought it was fake. I'd seen it on Facebook. I was scrolling. I seen an article. I thought it was fake. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to research this and see what's going on. Turns out they're really decriminalizing drinking in public. Not to the point where you could fucking walk around with a Hennessy bottle and take the shit to the face (laughs) on the sidewalk. But you could walk around with a beer. If a cop sees you, he's not going to fucking arrest you or anything. He's going to be like, hey, can you put that away or something? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I feel like that's fine because what's, you know, sometimes you're walking from the bodega, you bought a beer, you want to drink it, you're headed home, like, leave me alone. I feel like what's that, what's that gonna, uh, what's it really gonna do is when you, you know, when you're out to a a bar or you're at a club or a lounge or something and you have a drink and you want to just step outside or something and you can't because you can't take drinks outside, I feel like everybody's gonna be politicking outside of the club. With drinks in their hands, fucking yeah. cocktails and shit. I feel like it'll be good for that. You just... Yeah, because it's, you know... I mean, when I went to New Orleans, and I they don't... You can drink outside. You can take a straight Hennessy bottle to the face <laughs> in New Orleans, and no one's going to say anything. And I was like, wow, like, this is crazy. And a lot of the bars, they'll just give you plastic cups because there's yeah. always this issue like, oh, well, we don't want people breaking glassware. But they just give you a, pla- a nice plastic cup, and you can just... Go to the bar, walk outside with your drink, move on. I'm like, this is great. New yeah, Orleans. that is fucking great. Even great. though I don't drink that much anymore. Alcohol is expensive. It's, it's not even that. It's just... I mean, I went out yesterday and I probably spent 70 or $80 and I had like a light buzz. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Then and I that's went, how it goes down. You know, and then you can just go to the liquor store, buy a bottle for $17 and get yeah. wasted at home. <laughs> yeah, but see, that's the shit. It's, you're paying for convenience. You're not even paying for the actual alcohol. You're paying for the the setting, yeah. the social setting, being able to drink in that. But uh, to go back to the films, I feel like uh, there's, when it comes to movies, there's only like a year, I feel like there's only one or two movies that ever really, like, just really break through and just fuck shit up. Mm. I feel, even though it probably wasn't, I, I'm not sure what this movie debuted as, but fucking District 9, that's probably my favorite movie, like, of all history. District 9, really? Yeah. I really like District 9. What, like, what did you like so much about it, though? The reason I liked it is because of the perspective on the aliens that they had. You know, every alien movie is usually, oh, aliens come through, Either they're trying to invade and experiment on people or they're trying to invade and take over or they're trying to, it's always just something wrong or either they're coming and they have a message that, 
oh, humans are destroying the earth. Everything mm-hmm. has to get better. It's all the typical alien movies. I always like when somebody innovates something that you really aren't supposed to innovate. And in District 9, the whole perspective of the movie is there's aliens that the, the actual aliens, they don't want these people in their society, these aliens, these group of aliens. So they drop them off on Earth. And then when they finally get the aliens out of the ship onto the to the actual surface of the Earth, they're treated like they're immigrants. Yeah. Like they're put in concentration camps and stuff. And that gives the perspective of like, yo, if aliens really came down and they weren't as smart as we thought and they were annoying, we would treat them as if they were an immigrant or maybe even slavery. And no, it's true. And I think it's also... Because it's going to be like, oh, they're not human, so it doesn't matter how we treat them. Yeah. And it gives you... It shows you how human behavior could be, how it's been historically. Something foreign comes along, a different race or something, and we either mistreat it or treat it like it's uh, an, a domestic animal or not even a domestic animal. We treat it like as if it's rodents. Yeah. It's a nuisance. No, that's true. And I think it's that movie is really cool in that twofold part that it's like, yeah, this offers a different perspective on alien life and what would happen if they got here. But it gives you it gives human beings that historical context of like, we keep doing this to yeah. people. We keep alienating quote like no pun intended (laughs) alienating groups of people because they're different and it's kind of fucked up and not to mention the shit was uh set in africa yeah i thought that was really cool i was like oh this that's kind of interesting i thought that was really cool i love movies (laughs) i love when movies are based in africa for some reason yeah it's always so raw it's so raw and it's just like i feel like the world is so for the most part, in media, we're disconnected from the other side of the world. Like, we're very much oh, yeah. in America. We're very much America. in Europe. And even now, there's just, like, a lot of movies being shot in Asia. So when you get that those few films that you're in Africa and you're seeing how that side of the world lives, it's I love it. Yeah. I want to go so bad. Every movie set in Africa, too, you need a crazy war general. Oh, yeah. Like the dude from District 9. So, <laughs> Give me that hun. I want that hun. <laughs> Where did you get that hand? <laughs> you really wanted to eat this man's hand because it was turning into an alien hand, which gives you, I don't, it's, that's messed up because it's putting a stereotype on Africans that they just believe if they eat something, they'll transform into it. But in the Congo, in the jungle, the military forces in the Congo, they do kill and eat gorillas because it, they believe it gives them that strength of the gorilla. So, oh, wow. I didn't know yeah. that. No, the Africans in the Congo, they're fucking crazy. They're, they're, they're so wild. <laughs> There's some wild tribes in Africa. There's, there's brolic black dudes in the jungle, in military fatigue, on heroin with AK-47s, doing whatever the fuck they want. Oh, yeah. You know what movie I saw recently on HBO Go was um, Blood Diamond. Oh yeah, and it's I remember seeing that when it came out. I yeah. wasn't, I had never seen it, and oh, I was like, ass? "Oh my god, I this is like the one." Where's my son? <laughs> it's the one Leo Leo movie I hadn't seen. And I was like, "I gotta watch this." Leo's about to win an Oscar. I gotta watch Blood Diamond. Yeah, and yeah, I was just like, you know, and that's what's great about films, whether it's a narrative film or a documentary film. 
you read statistics, right? You you know, we all know, like, there's corruption going on in places in Africa. There's corruptions going on around, like, you know, the diamond industry. But when you see it, whether it's through interviewing someone or you see it on in a film, it's like, it really hits you. You're like, yeah. yo, there's little kids out there fighting for real. wars over bullshit like yeah, over a diamond that there's before, kids being killed yeah before seeing that movie i had no idea what the diamond trade was about then when i seen it i'm like oh shit i didn't even i didn't know this is where we get diamonds from yeah it's awful. i didn't even know that di- i didn't know that diamonds came from africa let alone people were uh basically put in halfway slavery to get the diamonds exactly i had no fucking idea until i watched that movie and a lot of people turn you know they're turn the blind eye to it because everyone wants diamonds but when yeah i watched the movie and i did know that there was corruption in that industry like seeing it for some reason and obviously seeing it mad late because that movie came out a couple years ago i was very affected i was like i don't know that i want to buy into this like i need an engagement ring with yeah. a huge fat rock which is nice because that's what we've been fed all women want that but i was like is it am i really being an intelligent human being if i continue to support this yeah knowing that there's kids out in africa that are like literally being brainwashed and be you know yeah entering these wars and there's people that are enslaved and being treated like shit it's just awful and it's crazy because even diamonds as the years go by they just depreciate in value every year because diamonds become more accessible they can make fucking diamonds in a laboratory if they want now mm-hmm. it's not like it's a rare stone anymore i mean it looks fucking cool yeah that's it about looks it cool but and also because now they have you know you can go to websites and there's companies that claim they're conflict-free conflict-free diamonds blah 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 you know we pay they claim that they pay people fair wages and they like have good conditions and i'm like unless you're i don't believe that like this could be just another ploy nikes are fucking made in china i mean it made in fucking america right china there's so many fucking sweatshops they'll never stop using cheap labor for anything if they could get away with having slaves or damn near slaves america would do whatever it's like you were saying the they were claiming that they're using people for fair wage. They have fair wages for people digging fucking stones out the earth. How much money do you have to pay a human being to willingly go into the earth and search for diamonds in Africa? How, who, what, what regular person's taking that job? Yeah. I don't, only an African who has no choice is going to do that job. Yeah. It's the craziest, craziest shit. (sighs) But aside from the, the blood diamonds in Africa, I feel like in media, just in general, the way that Africa is depicted is always so off of what Africa really is. Like, I need to go to Africa just to understand what it really is. Me too. That's how I feel. Because I feel like in the media, I just get shit fed to me when it comes to Africa. The only thing that's cool about Africa that they show on TV and movies and stuff is the wildlife. They never show, because I'm pretty sure there's a, a lavish side or... Uh, luxurious side oh, to africa there that they never show is. they never show i mean when i was in europe um this woman i met she was a tour guide and she's traveled all over the world and she says her favorite country in the world is south africa and that 
she thought Cape Town was the most, like literally the best place on earth. And, you know, we hear the perspective of, you know, all the bad shit that goes down in South Africa, but apparently there's also a lot of amazing things and yeah. we just don't ever see it. And they have like a huge, you know, there's like a lot of fashion and art and like amazing yeah. culture that's coming out of South Africa that we don't hear about. I w- I'm dying to go. Yeah, Let's go, Kai. For sure. Let's just go. The only place I'm not going to ever is Iraq. Because <laughs> they're wild over there. Fucking. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I would probably go to Iraq before I would go to like Palestine. Well, yeah. Or well, Pakistan. Any, just any rugged place in the Middle East, I'm not going because they don't give a fuck. They, that's the true the true I don't give a fuck on the planet. No, they really don't. They they just don't care. They'll shoot. I was watching, a, I forgot what documentary it was, but it was about the Americans coming into Iraq to try and teach the Iraqi soldiers more about tactics and stuff. Basically, American military. They're trying to impose it on the the Iraqi military. It was Afghanistan. It was one of them. But they're trying to teach these guys how to do how to go about warfare the right way or at least the American way and they're just not absorbing anything. They don't, they don't really don't fucking care. It's like this one dude, he thought that he heard something in the bushes and he just shot in that direction until he fucking emptied the whole clip. Jesus. And then he went back to what he was doing regularly. There were like people not showing up to their post and stuff like that. It was to the point where the Americans pulled out there like, yo, these guys are a fucking lost cause. Damn. It's because, you know, over in Iraq and stuff, they don't really have education they were saying like some of the dudes didn't even they couldn't even count they would tell them to like walk four cars up and the dude would look at them like well, what the fuck is four what are you talking about yeah that's the craziest thing to think that on this planet there are a group of people who don't know how to count but they do know how to shoot guns and yeah. they do know how to intimidate people and they do know how to take over whatever they want it's just a bunch of fucking warlords warlords fighting for power there's the government has no say. The government is bullied by like ISIS and stuff like that. All the people in the cities, they're just terrorized by all these uh, terrorist groups like ISIS or whatever. And in America, sometimes I know a lot of the Americans, we have this idea about Iraq that, oh, we should just bomb everybody over there. Like, oh, fuck Iraq, war, war, war. But the craziest shit is, it's not... Iraq per se that's the problem because the civilians don't like ISIS either they don't want ISIS there mm-hmm. when the Americans were in Iraq it's not how people think it is you see on social media like oh yeah America we don't have no business putting our nose in Iraq stuff or in the Middle Eastern wars or whatever but the the actual truth is those Iraqis civiliz- uh citizens and uh military people they actually wanted the American soldiers in there to protect them because yeah, ISIS was fucking shit up. And the government is not protecting them. Yeah, the them. government's not doing shit. They don't know how. That's the problem. They just don't fucking know how. Yeah. I find it... I, spe- I especially think it's so sad when you hear... You do hear the stories of Muslim people that live in these countries that are like, you know, we feel just as terrorized as you do. Like, we're living in this nation of war constantly yeah, for, like, constantly. as long as we've been alive. You know, yeah. there's been some kind of terrorism going on over there, state of war. 
And it's just, it's really sad because I feel like, unfortunately, when you mix like religion with so many of these things, like you can't, how can you, how can you like, you, you know, you, let's say you went into the military for some reason. You were like, you know, yeah. I'm going to go in the military. <clears throat> Maybe you want some good medical or something. But you value your life because you're, you know, a free, a free man here in America. America. Versus. I love America, though. Think about these kids that grow up in ISIS, that grow up in, you know, this extremist mentality that they're like rewarded for suicide bombing yeah. like you know your your religion and i'm At not saying i'm not saying this is about all muslims but i'm saying like they're being brainwashed that their cause is of a higher power it's a higher yeah. calling you know god is gonna allah is gonna reward you <laughs> with 29 for, virgins you know for heaven. murdering all these people and it's like how do you combat when there's such there's so much at stake for these people yeah versus you know, a person that's not tied into the religion. Yeah, you got a family back home. You want to come home and watch movies. <laughs> you want to come home and cuddle and watch Netflix and shit, but you're over in Iraq having to deal with fucking hooligans with no morals. So many hooligans. For real, man. But, uh, oh shit, yeah. We're reaching the hour mark right now. We actually passed the hour. Our, once we get video, I'll probably make these podcasts longer. As for right now, we're just doing audio. I don't want to kill you guys with three-hour podcasts of just audio. Uh, but yeah, that's it, bitches. Thanks, Episode Kai. two, Luna Coven, Flor Tejada, Next Round Productions. Where can they find your all your material? Um, you can go to nextroundproductions.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just look for Next Round Productions. Thanks. Boom, boom, boom. That's it, bitches. See you Sunday with Jalissa Rodriguez. Like I told you guys last time, this is, uh, uh, well, we might have another pop-up podcast. You never know. Actually, you know what? I'm fucking lying. Saturday, UFC 196, Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz, Holly Holm versus Misha Tate. We're going to be doing a fucking podcast during the fight. Me and my friend, uh, Step, we might have some other people on board for the podcast, but as of right now, it's just us two. We're going to be watching the fight and talking a lot of shit, probably drinking and smoking too. So Saturday, whenever the fight starts, I don't know what fucking time, but I'll see you bitches then. Later.